Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Whatever time it is that uh, you happen to be listening to this, uh, howdy. <laughs> I'm going to try uh, doing this podcast without any kind of an intro or outro, anything special. Uh, the last uh, episode that I recorded, my wife said was a little bit cheesy. I don't know, maybe she's uh, saying that because it weird for her <laughs> uh, knowing me, uh, but she listens to more podcasts than I do, and so I'm going to try this one, just jumping right into the topic, and uh, I, obviously, I mean, all the intros I've done where I say, you know, this is the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show, it's uh, maybe a little bit redundant because uh, that <laughs> reality is plastered all over. Uh, the podcast, every link that gets shared, it says, this is the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. And then you click into it, and it'll tell you it's the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. So you probably already know this is the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Or if you don't, me telling you one last time at the beginning of the podcast episode is uh, probably not going to stick either. So <laughs> maybe my wife is right. I should just dive right into the topic. Uh, I'll get to today's topic here in just a minute. Uh, one thing I, I will say, just as a, a by way of, um, what do you want to call it, uh, explanation for uh, some of my distractedness, maybe, is this morning I'm going to be leading uh, praise and worship at uh, our church. Uh, I was asked if I would be willing to do that throughout this summer. Uh, the gal who usually does it is going to be taking a little bit of a break. She's been dealing with pneumonia and uh, I think she just, she's needing some rest. And uh, so she asked me and uh, the pastor's wife and uh, another gal at our church, if we would all three kind of break it up, uh, divvy it up, share the responsibility, take different Sundays where we pick the songs and uh, lead praise and worship. And so uh, I actually have a, a pretty good singing voice. But uh, I get nervous <laughs> singing in front of people. I love singing. I really, really enjoy it. Uh, it's just doing it in front of people where their attention is on me that uh, it, it gives me a little bit of the, a cold sweat, I guess you could say. But, uh, you know, that shouldn't be uh, a reason to just not do it. Uh, you know, I think as with the podcast, as with the YouTube videos, as with anything I've done for the first time at, at some point, you know, if there's a value there and it's worth doing and it's a benefit to others, uh, you know, you just, uh, you just jump in and, uh, clean it up as you go. And, you know, eventually as I get more, uh, accustomed to doing this, I'm going to be less nervous, less distracted by the newness of it. And, uh, and then I think, uh, I'm, I'm going to really enjoy it, but um, yeah, this morning I I wasn't entirely sure what all songs maybe I've uh, you know I I like I listen to them if they're on my phone or my wife listens to them she'll have them on Pandora or Amazon Music and uh, you know I wasn't sure how much of those we might have music for already at church and so I stuck mostly with hymns. And, uh, you know, I, I don't 
listen to a whole lot of hymns, but you know, maybe it's one of those things. It's kind of like, uh, you know how they say, you know, when you get to be an adult, you start enjoying the things that, uh, your, your parents used to force you to have to, to do when you were younger, you know, like taking naps when you were younger, you, you had to be forced to take a nap and you hated it. And then when you get older and you're, you're an adult, uh, you just think to yourself, man, I wish I could take a nap. Ah, uh, I wish I, <laughs> you know, it comes full circle eventually. Uh, you know, it might be a, a similar thing, not that, uh, hymns are, uh, like taking naps necessarily, but more so, uh, there, there, you come to appreciate maybe with a little bit of maturity, a little bit of age, uh, the stability, the, uh, I guess the depth of some of the hymns as far as their, uh, theological weight, what it is that they're communicating about God, about us, uh, you know, what is it that we're actually saying in some of these contemporary worship songs where it's just the same five words over and over and over again, uh, you know, is, is that really necessary uh, to just sing the same five words over and over again? It's almost like a, a chant. Uh, you know, and it doesn't really, at least for me being, you know, maybe, maybe more of an intellectual person, <laughs> uh, I suppose it depends on who you ask. It doesn't really engage my brain though, to sing uh, the same five words over and over again. But if you get, you know, four verses of uh, a mighty fortress is our God, or, uh, you get into, uh, you know, amazing grace, uh, you know, th those are some songs that uh, really engage my mind as I'm singing the words. I'm thinking to myself uh, about a narrative, about a story, and uh, I think that's really good. I, th I think that's uh, that's also, you know, coincidentally or not, uh, part of how I'm approaching this podcasting thing. You know, here I just told you that story, and if you clicked into this podcast for some other reason, you were wanting to hear me talk about uh, some social issue, some political issue. Uh, whatever it is I've advertised on any given episode, <clears throat> for me to go off and tell you about uh, picking out hymns for this morning's praise and worship might seem like a little bit of a distraction. But one thing I want to convey is that uh, this is not uh, some highly polished, highly produced, artificial sweetener uh, thing that I'm doing. This This is me. Uh, and myself and I, with my second cup of coffee, sitting at my desk in my sitting room with an inexpensive microphone that I bought off of Amazon after doing very little research. <laughs> I, I got asked the other day uh, by uh, another guy I know. I've known him for a number of years. Me and my wife went to college with his wife. And uh, he he also is a blogger and has a podcast and he's kind of just, he's a little bit ahead of me on the podcast thing, but uh, he was asking me what it was that I got for a microphone because he was, he was going to tell me about what he got and he wanted to you know just kind of compare notes. And I laughed and I, I said, well, <laughs> I got to be honest with you. Uh, I couldn't tell you. I don't even know the brand of the microphone that I've got. Uh, it is, uh, you know, like the, the second or third thing that came up on Amazon when I did a quick search and uh, it had four and a half uh, stars. I think there was like 40 reviews or something like that. 
it was enough for me to feel confident that uh, four and a half stars was maybe, you know, representative. And it was cheap. It was $30 or so. And uh, I bet you, you know, if I do this for a number of years and I have uh, a whole bunch of disposable income at some point, uh, I bet you I'll do more research. Uh, maybe start listening to some other podcasts where I'm starting out on this, not having done that. And then uh, see what, uh, a, you know, a couple hundred dollars on a microphone gets you, you know, for clarity of sound and, and whatnot. But at least for this juncture, getting just getting started, uh, this Anchor uh, podcast hosting platform is uh, super, super simple. Couldn't hardly be any simpler or easier for me to do uh, this, this podcasting. I really appreciate that there are things like that, tools like that out there for people that uh, are like me. <laughs> uh, and I also, you know, I'm, I'm plum tickled with this $30 microphone. I think this is going to suit me just fine and uh but you know in in the in the context of my earlier remarks you know this is not a, a highly polished highly produced thing this is me you know i'm i'm being real and trying to be authentic and, uh, and a real person and uh, even where you know youtube videos or uh, this podcasting might seem rough at certain points uh, like I haven't really researched in depth every last little thing that I'm saying. Part of the reason for that is that uh, I don't think that going and finding someone else to sign off on absolutely everything that I say is necessary in order for it to be uh, worth saying. You know, some people I think are really insecure about uh, their own views and opinions. And uh, unless they have footnotes for absolutely everything and they can refer to some external source of authority, uh, some human authority, like a professor, like Dr. So-and-so, like the author of this well-respected book, etc., for every last little assertion that they make, unless they can do that, uh, they feel squeamish. And there are some people, as they're listening or they're reading something, unless they're finding that, they don't take it seriously. And this was, a, this was a question we ran into with blogging uh, three and a half years, four years ago. Uh, when we first started planning the blog, there was uh, a certain pastor who I will not mean. I won't uh, tell you who he is. Uh, I doubt he's listening. I doubt anybody associated with him is listening. <laughs> so I don't feel bad about uh, offending them either. But, you know, there's... Uh, Something he said that really just had a profound impact on uh, my uh, perception of uh, our endeavor with blogging. Uh, you know, before we even got off the ground, you know, it was, it was like it felt like uh, somebody coming up and drilling holes in the wings of your plane before you you'd even taken off, and then saying, "Hey, listen, you know, I don't think that thing is gonna." fly uh, across the Atlantic guys, you know, and it's like, heck no, but you know, you like, <laughs> rather than drilling holes in my wings, like, why didn't you give some practical suggestions on how to, uh, you know, how to, how to increase our odds, you know, how to free up some dead weight. If, if the plane needed to be a little lighter, or if we needed a bigger plane or, you know, whatever. Uh, but you know, it was a question of authority. And, uh, and the question was, who gave you guys the right? 
who's who's signing off and saying you have permission and i was just and still am to this day four years later having thought about a great deal i'm just uh blown away by that question who gave you the right to say these things to write these things that you are endeavoring to write and and the answer uh it, you know i'm not uh, i'm not at a loss to give an answer i'm just shocked that the question would be asked uh, with apparently an assumption that you know that nobody <laughs> the answer is nobody nobody gave you the right uh you don't have a right you're you're in the wrong you're being presumptuous why don't you leave that to the adults uh go sit over there in the corner go go do your nine to five uh read the right theology books by somebody else uh listen to the sermons of somebody else who's been to seminary and uh and then you know make sure you pay your tithe to support their ministry but you know leave the leave the ministry to the professionals that's that's what they make the big bucks for and then i know i realize I, I'm, I'm saying that in, in jest i realize pastors don't usually make uh a whole lot of money there are exceptions and most of them are heretics <laughs> but uh you know i i object um obviously as you can tell given that i have this podcast and if you read my blog you tell there too if you just talk with me uh i object i uh, not only object in theory i object in practice because uh i think that is a um off base presumption uh, that was uh, being communicated. That's an off-base attitude that was being communicated to us. Uh, you know, for for one thing, uh, you know, where is it written in the scriptures that uh, a seminary education, that all of the hoops that have to be jumped through uh, in order for somebody to become a, a pastor in a church today, that those are uh, a prerequisite. And and for that matter, how many of uh, the men in uh, the scriptures that, that wrote the books of the Bible, that we read about in the books of the Bible, how many of them follow uh, a, a pattern that uh, looks like what it is a, a typical professional minister uh, today has to go through in order to become a, a pastor, in order to be considered qualified. You know, I, I note, you know, when when Paul writes to Timothy and Titus, uh, about qualifications for an overseer and a deacon, uh, you know, that would have been a fantastic time to have said, hey, here's this idea. I've got seminary. Thus saith the Lord. You guys got to go to seminary. You got to go for this many years. You got to study under these guys. Unless they've been to seminary, boy, you, you better watch out. Better keep close tabs on them. Better, you know, that would have been a great opportunity if God wanted that to be the the barrier to entry into serious ministry. He could have said so there, but he doesn't. That isn't to say seminary is uh, necessarily uh, a bad thing just because it's not found in the scriptures. But uh, the question is, is it a necessary thing? Is it a prerequisite? Uh, or is that uh, something that we've come up with and it's it is part of the you know, generations, layers and layers and layers of veneer that have built up over the original thing to where you can't touch the original thing anymore. Uh, and we forget uh, that, uh, you know, Jesus was walking around and say, saying, come follow me to fishermen and tax collectors. Uh, 
uh, you know, Paul, uh, he, his, he was, you know, pretty well educated. I think he, he studied under, uh, one of the uh, preeminent, uh, respected religious men of uh, his day. Um, but I, I do believe he's the exception in the new Testament. Uh, yeah, he, he was, uh, formally educated the rest of them. Uh, you know, a couple of them, it was said, uh, you know, when they saw that they were unlearned men, they were astonished. Uh, because of the boldness, the confidence, the clarity with which they were preaching Jesus. <clears throat> and they were tying things together from Old Testament prophecy that had to do with uh, Jesus' ministry, him being the Son of God, the Messiah, etc. And here they were. They were, you know, they were former fishermen. They were common men. Uh, they were not uh, these super polished, uh, highly formally educated men. And that is in no way to uh, downplay the importance of education. Uh, but, uh, you know, as I told this one pastor when I, I had a chance to talk with him, uh, you can have uh, seminary and higher education and all of these professors and, and everybody else uh, providing a safeguard, as it were, against false doctrine. Uh, you know, and that is a, that's the theory. That's the hope. But you can also, uh, if you get false doctrine and faulty thinking and bad traditions, uh, if you get them worked into the minds of the, the men that are supposed to be checking your work as a seminary student, and they're responsible to teach you, and they can just leave out the things that uh, are not so great uh, you know, for, for their traditions that, that uh, challenge them, that contradict them, if they can emphasize, if they, you know, you can have false teaching that then becomes enshrined in a seminary. And we do see uh, in, in some of the prestigious uh, uh, schools that were set up, uh, I believe Harvard and Yale, uh, they were originally set up to provide religious instruction for clergy, and they were supposed to be faithful. And then uh, what happened? You know, they didn't remain faithful. They they uh, went astray. And you can have, uh, I think, seminaries also <laughs> uh, that go astray and far from securing their uh, charges uh, on the straight and narrow and making sure that they're going to be only uh, learning good doctrine and then being able to uh, deliver that to their parishioners down the road. Uh, instead, they are uh, giving their students false doctrine, bad doctrine, and then the, the students uh, have to either A, uh, fall victim, fall prey to succumb to that bad doctrine, and then they uh, spread that around after they leave, or else, uh, you know, they're playing defense. You know, they're, they're watching out for the bad doctrine uh, and, uh, and, and having to uh, succeed in uh, coming out pure on the other end in spite of some of the instruction that they received rather than uh, because of it. And, uh, and so, you know, in some uh, sense, in some measure, if you have uh, young men, let's say, uh, hypothetically, who are feeling called to some kind of a ministry and they're feeling like, hey, I was uh, fishing and didn't catch anything all night. And then Jesus walks by on the shore and he says, 
come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men uh, in some form or fashion. You know, if, if you have young men who are not coming out of seminary and having Jesus say, hey, you know, uh, you are students, but I'll make you students of men you know, or whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, that uh, historically, biblically uh, is uh, it's not without precedent at all. And and I think it's unfortunate. This is something that frustrated me and, and at least one of my associates on the blog. Uh, you know, th this uh, penchant uh, within Christianity, within the church, to celebrate uh, professional ministry and to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, pastors uh, and, and others that uh, are full-time ministry, and they that, that is how they make their living, but to not take it uh, nearly as seriously or to give the time of day uh, to young men who are, you know, they're working a nine to five outside of uh, their ministry. But, you know, let's say if the blog was a ministry, if this podcast is a ministry, uh, is it somehow less legitimate? If God's called us to it, is it less legitimate? Is it less worthy of support, encouragement, recognition, uh, the time of day? <laughs> Uh, is it less worthy uh, of those things uh, just because we're we're not uh, seminary trained or because we didn't uh, decide, hey, this is this is going to be my nine to five. This is what I'm doing for a living. Uh, you know, in my case, I've got seven children, a wife and seven children. Uh, you know, and I realize there are uh, men that go into full time vocational ministry that uh, that have a wife and seven children. And, uh, you know, that's probably uh, difficult, I would imagine. Uh, even making as good a money as I do in oil and gas it is uh, a challenge. <coughs> However, uh, I, at least so far, have not uh, felt like that was the calling God had put on my life. And I had people, it's not for lack of uh, consideration. I had several people uh, in high school that, uh, you know, if I, I and I worked at, at the YMCA. I worked as a personal fitness instructor in uh, Hillsboro, Ohio. And so I would wipe down the, uh, uh, you know, exercise equipment. I would sweep the floors, mop the floors, greet people as they came in, you know, teach them how to do their exercises, their stretches, how to use the equipment properly. Uh, if they were unfamiliar, if they had questions, I could come up with uh, exercise programs for them if they were trying to uh, focus on a, a certain group, muscle group or what have you. Uh, but, you know, I'd get to talking with people as they're walking on a treadmill or using an elliptical or riding one of the exercise bikes. And I'll tell you what, you, you would be uh, amazed if you're unfamiliar how much people will tell you about their life story and what they think about this, that, or the other thing, just to get their mind off of riding uh, an exercise bike, an elliptical, walking on a treadmill, etc. Uh, people are very, very chatty <laughs> when they're on those, uh, and uh, and and we'll tell you just just about anything. But we would get to talking, me and and a lot of the people that would come into the YMCA. If I didn't have anything else I needed to do, I'd you know stop and just just chat with them. You know, if they're going to do a 15 minutes on their uh, device there you know i'll just chat with them and 
and just ask them, you know, hey, what do you think about this? Or, or they'd ask me, hey, what are you, you know, what are you thinking about doing uh, after high school? Where, where are you going to go to college? What are you planning to study? And, uh, you know, as we would get into anything to do with faith, and, uh, and I, I would talk with some passion about, uh, you know, hey, this is what's right and wrong. This is what's wise and foolish. This is what the Bible says. I, I got the question not a few times, uh, have you thought about going into the ministry? And, and of course, they meant, you know, have you thought about going to seminary? Have you thought about becoming a, a pastor someplace? And I, I thought about it, um, and I didn't feel uh, particularly called in that direction, uh, at least not then, and, and at least not now. Uh, you know, if God opens that up at some point down the road, and that's what he wants me to do, then uh, great. Then that, that's what I'll do. If he's called me to it, then, then he will uh, enable me to do it. But, you know, what I do feel called to uh, in, in the meantime, and have for uh, a number of years, is uh, utilizing social media the way that I do, uh, writing for this blog, uh, now doing a podcast, even as rough as it is. Uh, if God has called me to it, then there must be a purpose for it. And uh, I will say, you know, in, in theory, there is something that I'm able to do uh, as a not professional minister. <laughs> uh, you know, I am, I am a deacon at our church. Um, I, I do uh, I do serve on the governing board, uh, but uh, I'm you know as a, a lay person, um, as opposed to a professional minister, professional clergy, full time minister, whatever. Uh, I th I believe there is a certain credibility that I uh, am able to have, um, perhaps not within the church, speaking on matters of faith, but. Uh, with people that are cynical about organized religion, with people that are cynical about uh, Christian doctrine, uh, you know, if I'm able to come and say, "Hey, I don't get paid to say this, but this is what I believe," you know, and I'm not formally trained, but this is what the Bible says, and here you can, I'm going to explain it in a way that you don't need uh, four or five years of uh, of diligent study in order to understand. I'm going to say this in a way that appeals to you, and it it, it makes sense where you're at right here and now. Uh, I'm going to speak in the common language. You know, and, and just for a little bit of, uh, of support for that, you know, someone might say, well, we don't want to water down the truth of what God says, and it is, it's worth spending our time, four or five years of study. Listen, you're preaching to the choir. You know, I've been studying the scriptures. I've been considering them, contemplating them, meditating on them for most of my life. And, uh, and, and so you, that, that is not lost on me. I read, you know, big, big books, uh, on a regular basis about, uh, you know, I, I just read Bruce L. Shelley's church history in plain language. I read, um, uh, JP Moreland's love your God with all your mind. I, I read, uh, Ravi Zacharias's, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ravi Zacharias and Vince Vitale's book, Jesus among secular gods. You know, I read books like that, uh, and I, I'm not opposed to study, but, you know, here's the thing. Uh, you know, you read about the Protestant Reformation. You read about uh, mass being uh, delivered, being conducted in the, the Roman church in Latin. 
And you know what's the what's the problem with that? Why not deliver the mass, deliver a sermon, as it were, in Latin? Well, you know, the, the basic problem would be if your if your uh, congregation doesn't speak Latin, <laughs> who are you talking to? Uh, who are you trying to communicate with? And you think about how resistant the Roman Church was to anybody who was not authorized, uh, who had not been signed off on uh, weighing in on doctrine or reading the scriptures for themselves or saying, hey, that's not what this says. That's not what it means. And you know it. You're making stuff up. Uh, you're you're obscuring what is written in favor of what you wish it said. Uh, you're trying to save your own skin. You're trying to pad your own wallet. You're trying, you know, whatever. Uh, they didn't want questions like that. The Roman church didn't. And so it was just as well uh, if you just you do the hocus pocus uh, treatment of the gospel. You you say uh, what you've got to say in Latin, and who cares if the people understand you or don't? Because it isn't about them understanding it. It isn't you know because that that you, there's this elitist, smug, uh, condescending uh, attitude towards the common people, saying, "Well, it doesn't. They're not going to understand it anyways. This is." You know, because I think all too often, and I, I, I liked J.P. Moreland's book, but the, there is a certain smug condescension to it as well. And I think he goes too far in some of his suggestions about how we should get into a habit within the church of correcting one another's grammar, even. Because, you know, if you've got bad grammar, then you're... You're not being disciplined with your mind, and you're going to look foolish to outsiders, and uh, and we need to have good grammar. And you know, I'm again, if you're saying, hey, we need to have good grammar, you're preaching to the choir. I'm I'm a bit of a grammar Nazi, not that I'm perfect, but I uh, I mean, I'm a writer. I'm a <laughs> communication is uh, is is what I love to do. Uh, I I'm a big fan of good grammar, but um, you know, I think I think as we uh, try and save the gospel or save uh, what the Bible says from being communicated in simple, direct uh, ways or in the common tongue uh, because we're afraid of what people might do with it. Uh, if they just, you know, if they grasp it quickly, they might misunderstand it or they might think they understand it, but they, they really don't because it was oversimplified. Uh, there's, there's some merit to such concerns, but also, uh, those concerns can go too far and, and then have a paralyzing effect rather than a, a disciplining effect, you know, where, where instead of uh, helping us to be measured and careful, uh, they stop us short of, of being productive and they actually stymie growth. And, and that's not what we want, right? You know, if I could put something uh, in, in the King James English, for instance, and uh, somebody who's never been to church their entire life, and they're totally unfamiliar with the King James English, uh, reads that, or they, they hear me read it out loud, and it sounds foreign to them, and it sounds like uh, non-humans uh, came up with that, people that they, that they would never be able to relate to, they imagine, because there's not students of history either. Uh, you have a choice uh, to uh, communicate what God's word says in the King's King James English, 
or else find a, a more contemporary translation, uh, not a thought for thought where someone else is uh, making a judgment call at every turn for what God meant and what he didn't mean. You know, not uh, the Message Bible, not the New Living Translation, although, I mean, there's there's maybe some value to those, but but that's not what I'm saying. I mean, I mean like a, an, an ESV, an NASV, uh, a more contemporary word-for-word uh, -word translation of the Bible. You know, find one of those that's going to be actually in their their language, and and then make it easier, make it more accessible for them to to understand it. <coughs> I think also too, uh, you uh, you you get something. I mean, imagine for instance, you know, who is going to get uh, farther? with uh, a group of fishermen uh, who have never heard the gospel before. Do you think Peter's going to get farther with them, or do you think Paul is? Uh, I would uh, I would assume Peter's going to get further with them, because he's going to understand how to make that fishing analogy uh, of, of, the, of the scriptures, you know, just the same way that Jesus does, where he says, you know, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Well, they understand what fishing is, but you get Paul. Uh, going to Mars Hill and making references and giving uh, a speech about uh, the altar to the unknown God because he's familiar with the Greek poets uh, and the Greek myths. He's familiar with uh, them being religious people and what their religion is, and, uh, and he can speak to that. Uh, it, it would seem God knew what he was doing when, when he sent Paul uh, to go speak with uh, the Athenians, to speak with uh, the, the people on Mars Hill. And, and he knew uh, what he was doing when he called Peter. And he, knew, he knows what he's doing when he calls uh, the guy that goes to seminary or goes and studies uh, you know, the, the really uh, long books about the history of philosophy. And uh, he, he knows what he's doing when he gives certain people gifts to be able to recall names and dates and things like that and to be very, very disciplined. Uh, and I'm sure there's a place for that. Uh, there, there's a, a calling there. Uh, as, you know, as long as God is actually calling you and, and you didn't just say, hey, I, this is just something I want to do. And this person over here is telling me that, you know, I, I just need to, you know, make sure that's a calling God's put on your life. Um, but, you know, so also uh, with uh, with podcasting, with blogging, with with whatever, uh, God can absolutely use that. Why, why would we uh, why would we assume that that's beneath him? Um, anyway. So the in, on a related note. Uh, I was asked by a coworker here this past week if I had ever heard the T.I. song, New National Anthem. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's not a song that I was familiar with or a rap or whatever. For those who are unaware, unfamiliar, T.I. is uh, a pretty big name in, in uh, hip-hop, rap. And uh, I guess uh, Patriots... Uh, radio station on Sirius XM, uh, one of their hosts this week spent her entire hour talking about this T.I. song, New National Anthem. And so this coworker of mine asked, you know, hey, did you, have you ever heard this song or heard anybody ever talk about it? I just, I, I had never heard of it. 
until this radio host spent the entire hour talking about it. And then I thought, you know, I'll go listen to it, look it up, because that's pretty remarkable. There must, be, there must be something there if she spent the hour talking about it. So he went and read the lyrics, listened to it, and uh, and he wanted me to as well because he wanted to get my my impression, my uh, thoughts on it. And so I, I kind of forgot about it. I got busy with work. Uh, we were at the office talking about some other stuff, and then I, I moved from that thing to the next, to the next, to the next. A couple of days went by, and then another coworker of mine, Jr. So so first TC was asking me about it, and then Jr. Uh, I've got all these these coworkers with uh, uh, just initials, and then and then they're talking about TI. So we've got TC telling me about TI, and then Jr. Uh, keep up. <laughs> Sorry, I know it's confusing. Keep up. Uh, but Jr. He gave me a call. Uh, I think it was Friday late afternoon, he was asking if I'd had a chance to listen to that song yet, because he was there when, when TC was telling me about it. And uh, so I said, no, no, actually, I forgot about it. Uh, but he was telling me he had listened to it, read the lyrics through, and uh, found it pretty engaging as well. But uh, I haven't read through the lyrics. I listened through the song on YouTube this morning, actually. I don't know why it, it suddenly occurred to me that I, I hadn't and I needed to, but uh, I, it was interesting, uh, and there's a, a lot of words. Um, you know, far from this being a just a quick, uh, you know, five words over and over and over again, just in different, uh, you know, different beats in the background or whatever. Um, there's a lot of stuff being said here. A lot of assertions, uh, a lot of specific things that are being mentioned. And really, it, it's a it's a question maybe uh, on on how is it that America responds to uh, you know a, a young black man and in whatever you know whatever the baggage is that comes with that question, uh, it, it appears that uh, Ti is not afraid to unpack that baggage. Let's let's uh, <laughs> put the suitcase on the bed, open her up, and, and pull everything out. Uh, and there's some dirty laundry in there that needs to go through the wash, uh, and there's some some other stuff that you know needs to needs to pass the sniff test. Uh, what is it that is actually being claimed here? I don't know. Uh, in in full, I heard uh, some some references to the police, police brutality, uh, young black men being shot, young unarmed black men being shot uh, unfairly. Uh, being targeted by police, uh, you know uh, the 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 double standards or the perhaps you know questionable justice of uh, severe sentences, you know, mandatory minimums for drug offenses, even minor drug offenses, uh, relatively speaking, you know, when in comparison to uh, you know violent crime like uh, rape, for instance, you know why why is it? You could have uh, somebody go to jail for the rest of their lives for uh, having over a certain amount of uh, drugs in their possession if they get caught. Uh, but you could have somebody be, be let off after a year on good behavior for having raped somebody. You know, and that's, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I think that's a fair question to ask. Um, you know, maybe maybe Ti and I would uh, disagree, and 
and uh, have a discussion about, you know, what are the statistics? You know, how many young black men are killed by other young black men? I think it's 94% uh, of, of blacks that are murdered in the U.S. are, are murdered by other black people, black men. Primarily, it's, it's, I think it's primarily gang violence for the most part. Um, you know, we could have a discussion about that uh, and, and, you know, without reading the lyrics through just having listened to the song once. Uh, I don't know for sure, just out the gate, how much he would agree with and how much he would disagree with whatever my position would be. But, uh, you know, that's, it's a fair question to ask. You know, what, what, uh, what does a national anthem mean to uh, a young black man who believes he is being unfairly treated by the police and that the justice system is set up to be extremely harsh with him for, for relatively minor things, almost as, a, as if it's looking for an excuse. Just give me a reason. You know, make my day, punk. Uh, you know, that, uh, that is a fair question. And then you get into the NFL taking uh knees protesting the national anthem saying hey we're we're not even going to uh we're not, we're not going to stand and hold our hand over our hearts uh because we we are deeply concerned about what is america is america this racist country is there uh, a problem in the justice system that that makes law enforcement just inherently fundamentally racist because that, I mean, that, you, you boil it down, that is at the core. And, and I, I have uh, objections to that, which are a topic for another day, uh, because the, the topic for today is uh, what gives you the right to talk about these things? Uh, you know, and I would, I would point out, you've got this uh, T.I., you know, he's, he's got a lot to say, and uh, I, I would take him at his word if he said these are things that he's concerned about. These are deeply upsetting and, and questions at the fore of his mind. And who's answering those questions, right? Uh, and and do uh, the, the 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 men who invest themselves so heavily in being professional clergy, professional ministers, do those men a have the time to answer all the people like this? Uh, that are out there asking questions like T.I. is in this song, <clears throat> uh, you know, and for two, uh, do they have the interest uh, in doing so? Even if they had the time, would they would they say, well, that's kind of beneath me. I mean, I'm a little bit uh, uh, educated not to, <laughs> I didn't go to any seminary classes that were specifically on uh, how to dissect the worldview of a, of a rap ditty and, and answer it. Um, you know, it, maybe that's just not, uh, what their specialty is because they haven't been trained for that. And maybe it's not realistic to expect them to, to do that. But then maybe, you know, for some Christians who they do listen to rap and they do understand what it's saying, uh, and, and they are relaxed enough to be able to have a conversation with somebody that, uh, you know, has baggy jeans and gold chains and they, they talk a bit rough and they wear their hat to the side. And, you know, maybe that is uh, something that others are called to. And, uh, and, and it's a situation where 
the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we wouldn't chase off uh, Christians uh, or, uh, or look down on them if they say, hey, look, there's, there's some harvest over here. Uh, there's some, some wheat uh, that hasn't been uh, <laughs> attended to in this part of the field. And it looks like you, you got your hands full over there. Why don't I go over here and I'm going to address this because there's some questions. There's a, there's a worldview that needs to be answered. And, and we have God's word. We, we have, uh, should have the ability to answer it from what God has said. And we should be able to say this is what the Christian worldview uh, reflects on these statements of good and evil, of values, of uh, purpose, of wisdom and folly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, you know, by contrast um, with Ti, I think of uh, uh, some Christian music that I used to listen to. I really, really loved listening to back in the day by a group called the Cross Movement. And uh, if you're not familiar with them, do uh, a quick uh, search on Amazon Music or YouTube or what have you. Uh, you could find several music videos that they did. They were around for a good many years. I couldn't even tell you how many different uh, uh, members of the, the group there were. Uh, I guess you could say it was, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, well, anyway, it, it, was, it was a hip-hop group, and they would record together, and then they also, a number of them had singles, single albums where it was just them. And then they recorded those, and, and but it was it was all gospel hip hop and gospel rap, and it was old school, and uh, it was it was just really cool, and I I liked it, and I liked as well, you know, in the in the in between tracks, I was just telling uh, TC and JR this at the office earlier this week. In between tracks, uh, there would be recordings, you know, they might be uh, a minute or so, forty five seconds, wouldn't be long at all. But it was like, you just imagine the way it sounds, like somebody just put a microphone on a coffee table and then two or three guys are just sitting on couches uh, and then they're just talking about this. They're just having a conversation. And, you know, one of the things they might talk about is they might say, hey, you know, uh, some Christians think that hip hop music, rap is of the devil and uh, we don't believe that. And, you know, obviously the devil can use it and he can push uh, poison into uh, the, the neighborhoods of uh, America, of, of uh, young black people. Uh, he can, you know, he can promote bad thinking and evil with rap music, obviously. Uh, but, you know, we feel called to have representation in a system that wants God out. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, and so we're going to bring... Uh, theological truth to uh, bear on uh, these worldview questions and these discussions, you know, where, where this guy over here is glorifying uh, violence, he's glorifying, you know, going and, and shooting up uh, his rivals and uh, beating somebody to death if they look at him wrong or, uh, you know, being a pimp, uh, uh, selling drugs, whatever, you know, he's going to glorify that and be all about himself and we're going to do a rap addressing that and talking about repentance, talking about the gospel and talking about, you know, who is God? What is his nature? What, are, what does the Bible say about God? And why are we here? And what is life about? You know, and what is the antidote to this poison that's being pumped into uh, our cities, into our, our neighborhoods? 
into the minds of our young people. And we're going to present all of that in a, a clever way. We're going to basically uh, take back this this way of making music and of communicating, and we're going to use it for Jesus. And uh, and then we're going to even make references to uh, well-known uh, rap and hip-hop from other artists who are maybe not always pushing the right stuff. <laughs> uh, they're, they're part of the problem rather than part of the solution. But we're going to engage them in, in conversation. Uh, because the things that they're talking about deserve a response, and we feel responsible, uh, like God has called us to do this, and so we're just going to try to be faithful. You know, I I was just I was so I was so profoundly uh, moved by that and affected by that in uh, late high school, uh, early college years, you know, early twenties, late teens, and I just I thought that was just the coolest thing. Um, not, you know, not just, Hey, you know, I, I'm a, uh, homeschooled white boy who, uh, you know, wants to feel cool, but also, you know, more than that, Hey, isn't it awesome that these guys have taken uh, a timeless message and then they have had a boldness, had a confidence, uh, to communicate it in a fresh way and that, you know, if they feel called to this, that they're doing it despite whatever criticism they would get from within the church and despite whatever hostile reaction they might get from outside the church. You know, if you're talking with guys that glorify violence and you're calling them out, and you're, you're saying, hey, you need to repent. You know, again, look at uh, look at how that uh, approach <laughs> that men felt called to. Uh, worked out for many of the messengers uh, we read about in the Bible. You know, you see many of them persecuted and uh, met with violence, not just threatened with violence, but met with violence. And many of them even put to death because uh, they were calling to repentance, the powers that be, speaking truth to power. And so also, I mean, I, it seems to me like uh, it would take a good deal of courage to be willing to call uh, pimps and drug dealers and gangbangers to repentance uh, using rap music. And you definitely would have their attention. And once you had their attention and you said, hey, you need you need to repent. <laughs> you are not uh, on the straight and narrow. You're on the path to destruction. And so as anybody that is, uh, is following you and listening to you, looking up to you, you need to repent. Um, that takes guts. And uh, it was something fresh. It was outside of my context. But it it seemed to just really, really fit. And I loved the authenticity of it. I loved the realness of it. I loved the uh, vulnerability of it. Uh, rap music can be such an absolute... Um, what? What is the word even? Rich uh, medium, maybe, for communicating something that, that's uh, important communicating an idea. I mean, T.I., just reading New National Anthem's lyrics, uh, it is, there's a lot. There's a lot there. And it can be so clever, too. I mean, you find things that rhyme. You find this wordplay and, and find ways of communicating something uh, with a reference, you know, some pop culture reference that your listener is going to immediately uh, associate with this, that, or the other thing. And it's just, there's some really smart, clever people that make rap music and yeah you know if some of them are thugs and dangerous and reprobate and all that uh 
they're also still very clever, <laughs> very, then, you know, and, and why, you know, if you're, if you're hoping that there could be some repentance there and that Jesus could uh, reach into uh, some of these dark places uh, where there's crime, where there is um, young black men being murdered by young black men or, or being, you know, abused by the justice system because there is racism. Nobody denies that. Nobody reasonable or, or uh, paying attention denies that there is racism in the world still. Uh, but Jesus can reach into that. And the antidote is not to be uh, an angry young man. And the antidote is not to just give yourself over to Satan. Uh, that's We're only going to get more of the same that way. Uh, the antidote is to, uh, you know, listen, tune, tune in, plug into uh, the kind of stuff that, uh, cross movement was putting out years ago and, uh, and, and take that attitude, take that mindset, take that message. Uh, that is the cure for what ails the hood, <laughs> if you will, the cure for what ails America. Uh, you know, sin is not a, a black problem. It's not a white problem. It's a human problem. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's something we're, we're told in the scriptures, you know, no temptation to seize you, but that which is common to men, that is to say, Temptation and a sinful nature is common to man, whatever your skin color is. Uh, you know, I think some cultures, they develop habits, uh, values over time that maybe mitigate some of the effects of sin. Or maybe, you know, we get disciplined about, uh, you know, shaming, scolding, <clears throat> uh, a reckless pursuit of some sins. Um you know, some other cultures, you know, that becomes a, a virtue. You know, hey, we're going to do this thing as part of our, our ritual, uh, and and it is a sin. And then, you know, on the one hand, it, if, you're, if your culture is making a habit and a value of promoting virtue and embracing goodness and truth, then there's going to be blessings that come with that. Uh, so also, alternatively, if your culture is celebrating sin and having parades, uh, in, in pride over sinful lifestyles, saying those are virtuous and good, we all need to affirm them. Uh, you, you're going to have bad stuff that comes with that uh, death, uh, pain, suffering, breakdown, decay. Uh, but you know, all to bring this full circle, you know, here I am. I'm uh, I'm podcasting and I've been writing, and uh, and and I feel called to do this. I don't know what I got. I got asked by this this fellow uh, blogger that I was talking with this week, and, and he's also ahead of me on the podcasting thing. He asked, you know, what's your long term plan? You know, what what are your goals for writing or whatever? And uh, I told him, I said, you know, honestly, uh, right now it's just one foot in front of the other. I know I feel called to do this right now, and long term, <laughs> really, really long term. And I know this wasn't the answer. He was looking for, but in the long term, I, I want to get to the end of my road, wherever that is, uh, and have Jesus say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. That, that's my goal, right? Uh, and even where we are walking through, uh, you know, the equivalent of uh, fog, and we don't see uh, five miles down the road, you know, if God has said, go that direction, then that's what we should do. And, <clears throat> you know, just... Just also, real quick, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of talk about suicide this week. Um, I believe it's Kate Spade, 
who was some kind of a fashion designer. Uh, she uh, committed suicide this week, and that was in the headlines. Anthony Bourdain, who is uh, a you know food show host, um, you know pop culture icon. Uh, he also committed suicide this week. So there's a lot of discussion about suicide. Uh, Drudge Report had as one headline that suicide is now the 10th leading cause of uh, death for Americans. So you have a lot of people committing suicide, a lot of young people uh, committing suicide. And the reason for that is people don't believe they have a purpose. Uh, and why would they believe they don't have a purpose? It's because uh, the, the world around them is telling them there is no such thing as objective truth, objective reality. What's true for you is true for you. It's not necessarily true for me. Uh, don't go telling me I'm wrong. Uh, you can just do whatever because there's nothing after this life. You're here uh, and then you die. And, uh, and so, you know, let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. I mean, that's, that is the philosophy. And, you know, if, if you've got uh, this evolutionary thinking that says, hey, uh, things are getting better and better all the time, uh, but we ultimately descend from uh, single-celled life forms millions and millions and millions of years ago, and you're just another animal. You're just a highly sophisticated animal. Maybe you're even, you know, thanks to this global warming hysteria uh, Ponzi scheme, we're going to tell you, you are part of this disease, this infestation on planet Earth. It's You're what's wrong with the world, you and everybody like you. And so we're going to tell people things like that, blast them from every side with this godlessness. Uh, and then why would we be surprised when people... Uh, listening to that all the time, that from every direction, uh, come away feeling like life has no purpose. And like, you know, if they feel depressed or sad or things are just not going well in their life, they're not feeling really, really happy. You know, what, what would stop them from saying, I'm just going to go ahead and end it. I'm going to kill myself. Uh, you know, the, the antidote to that is the same antidote uh, for the problems that uh, T.I. is talking about a new national anthem. The, the antidote is the gospel. Uh, the antidote is uh, understanding who God is and uh, who he created us to be. You know, that gives us a sense of purpose. And also, too, I mean, generally speaking, you know, you can you can see uh, who God is and who he made us to be as a human race by reading your Bible. Uh, I also believe that uh, God, uh, he, he will answer as we ask for wisdom and as we ask for a calling on our lives. Say, hey, God, what, what purpose, what specific purpose have you created me with? You've given me specific gifts, specific talents, specific abilities. You put me in a specific place at a specific time. You made me specifically, but why? And what is it you want me to be about? What, what business can I be doing? What good works did you prepare for me? Uh, you know, that I can, I can do them before men, let my light so shine before all men that they might see my good works and glorify my father who is in heaven. Uh, you know, that is, uh, I think the antidote, right? That is the antidote to this purposeless, uh, nihilistic, suicidal, uh, attitude that our culture has, even where people are not uh, committing suicide, they're walking around uh, soulless and depressed and without purpose. And then you, you can have every other kind of desperate problem 
coming from that desperation, that, that uh, sense of uh, this is all there is and then I die. You know, get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. Uh, but you can't take it with you, can you? I mean, it's, it, 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 no matter how much you make, uh, how much you save, how much you build up, what kind of a reputation you are able to develop, as uh, Solomon writes, uh, vanity of vanities. It's a chasing after the wind. When you die, it's not going with you. Uh, but as Solomon writes, uh, at the end, you know, the purpose of life, there is purpose to life because God created life. And God is eternal. God is good. He didn't make us for no reason. And there is purpose in life when we are loving uh, the wife of our youth and enjoying the fruit of our labors and honoring God in the way that we conduct ourselves and what we say and do. And, uh, and we also know, you know, the, the rest of the story and now you know the rest of the story. Uh, the rest of the story is that uh, we've got the gospel message and redemption for those that are found in, in Jesus and eternal life. You know, you're not just here and then you die. Uh, there is eternal life to look forward to for those whose names are found in the book of the Lamb. And uh, I'd say that's that's pretty exciting. And that's a reason to get up in the morning. That's a reason to get after it. And uh Anyway, that's all I've got for this morning. I need to get going and uh, help my family get ready. Woke up before uh, everybody else. Now they're all starting to rise and uh, they need to get ready for church and get going. But I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode of uh, the Garrett Ashley Mullet podcast. Uh, please hit subscribe on whatever uh, platform you prefer. I am on, I think, five different podcast platforms so far, and there's a couple more that we're waiting on approval for. Uh, if you have any questions you'd like to talk, any comments, observations, you know, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, probably the most direct way to get a hold of me will be uh, Gmail. Drop me an email at Garrett Mullet, G-A-R-R-E-T-T-M-U-L-L-E-T at gmail.com. Uh, don't put two T's in the end of mullet because there's another Garrett Mullet who I'm friends with actually on, on Facebook uh, because we've gotten each other's mail a time or two. Um, just one T the end of mullet and then uh, feel free to drop me a line. Let me know what you think of the podcast so far. Uh, comments, questions, concerns, objections, complaints. Uh, no. I'm listening. So thank you. Have a good day. <laughs>